Hello everyone. Welcome to Andrew Unabated. This is your host, Andrew Coleman. It's good to be here today. It's the 21st day of July, the first day of the week. It's beautiful outside and every day is a blessing from God. Welcome and greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. I hope and pray that this is a blessing to you and um, I'm also praying that if you find it a blessing to you that you are moved to search the scriptures for yourself and build on what you've heard as so many of the saints have done over the centuries since Jesus and before Jesus ever since God's word was given to man and given to his prophets. So please open up your Bibles and join me as we cover the topic of angels today. What are angels? That's a good question. Angels are pretty popular uh, as a topic, uh, both in the secular world and um, in the uh, church. They're pretty interesting. Uh, I think we could all agree about that. They are supernatural. Um, that's a term that also pops up. There's lots of TV shows and stuff that deal with supernatural things. Um, there's some that think that um, demons and angels are the same thing, but we're just going to focus on what the Bible says about angels. And for those who believe God's Word, that's all that they need to know, is what does the Bible say? Because the Bible is God's Word, and God has the the answers for us that we need to know on this earth. Alright, so let's look into these things. A lot of times you'll see that the scriptures that we look up, um, the, the scriptures that are in the Bible regarding angels, and this can be true for other topics as well, um, you'll find that when the Bible talks about what angels are, it's also basically talking about what angels do. And the lesson for us, and I think you'll, I believe you'll definitely come across this message the more you read God's Word, we are what we do. That's, that's uh, connected to faith and works as well. You know, we say we believe in Jesus Christ, we call on His name, but it's very important, it's crucial that we obey God. And you'll see that as we start to look into the topic of angels, that they are not far as far as identity from what they're doing. The Bible uses their actions and their, their, their offices and what they do to basically describe what they are. That's what they do. So let's go to uh, Hebrews 1.14. That's our first passage today. And uh, just like the other episodes, it's pretty simple format. I'm going to look up these scriptures. You're going to follow along. You're going to um, turn these pages and, and make sure I'm not misquoting the Bible. And of course, I'm using the King James Bible um, as a evidenced in the first episode, uh, God's Word. The King James Bible is the only Bible on the face of the earth that is authorized by a king. And we know that God is a king, so uh, all authority is stems out from his hand and his um, dominion, and he is in charge of everything regarding those authorities, Proverbs 21, verse 1. Now, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 it says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? And you will see that they are talking about uh, angels uh, if you read verse 13. All right. So we have that word minister. Minister. And the context of the verse is 
pretty clear. And we also have the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when an angel was ministering unto him when he prayed the same prayer three times or similar, uh, the prayer with similar uh, content where he asked the Lord, you know, or asked the Father in heaven, can you take this cup from me? Um, it's burdensome, uh, but not my will, but thy will be done. Uh, in, in one of the Gospels, I think it's Luke, um, but you can check me on that. Um, the Father actually sends an angel that ministers unto Jesus when uh, he was actually sweating tears or sweating blood. So here we see that they're, first of all, they're spirits. They're ministering and they're sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation. So there we have that heirs of salvation. God chooses who is saved and the saved have some bodyguards, looks like, uh, who attend to them and watch over them. And these bodyguards, bodyguards are angels. All right, next verse, uh, hop over to Psalms 104, verse 4. Jumping back into the Old Testament here. Um, it's good to cover both sides of the Bible, just so that you, you make sure that everything is lining up, because the Bible will not contradict itself. It explains itself. Verse 4 of chapter 104. Who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers of flaming fire. So it's kind of saying the same thing. It's there it's calling them a flaming fire. Kind of referencing their power um, and their qualities. Angels are definitely very powerful and uh, tremendous in their uh, roles under God. Now let's go into... Uh, more of what angels do. They appear before God regularly. Let's turn to Psalms. I mean, I'm pardon, Job, the book of Job. And the first chapter. This is actually a pretty well-known um, story here. Job was afflicted and it taught him a great lesson. Um, he went through basically everything you could think of. Um, short of being crucified. Uh, everything was taken from him. But uh, there's 42 chapters in Job. And it's a great story. Uh, obviously, it's in the Bible. It's got a lot to, to teach us. And, uh, you know, eventually it, it, it shows that um, God works everything for our benefit. And uh, I think there's a verse for that. Romans 9, 28 or something like that. But here in Job, we're going to focus here on chapter 1, verse 6. And then chapter 2, verse 1. one verse, chapter 1, verse 6 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. So there the angels are called sons of God. And as we cover this topic, you will see that the Bible has a couple different names. <clears throat> Pardon me. The Bible has a couple different terms and names for angels. Now let's chat, go over a page. Chapter 2, verse 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. So here it is undeniable that 
the angels are called the sons of God here. And Satan also, interestingly enough, he presents himself to God regularly. So, when did the angels come about? We've seen a couple verses here in the Old and New Testament that describe what they do, what they're called, and there's more to come. But when did they come about? We're well aware of the creation week. Are they mentioned in the creation week? Well, they are not explicitly mentioned in the creation account in Genesis, and you can check that. You can go make sure. But in Job 38, we are giving, we are giving an interesting uh, clue here about the angels. Job 38, and it's a string of verses, 1 through 7. I'm just going to read them out. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy? The reason I read all those verses for that last verse is because the context there needs to be shown. I can't just quote verse 7 and expect everyone to see what I'm saying here or what the Bible is clearly saying. But if you're following along, you'll definitely put that context together, um, Lord willing. Here we have in verse 7, the angels are called the sons of God, and they're also called morning stars. And this is happening in the creation week. God was establishing Eden. There We have verse 4, the foundations of the earth. Verse 5, the line is stretched upon it. It's referring to the breadth of the earth again. And then you have the cornerstone, foundations. God is talking about the creation. And in verse 7, it's revealed that the angels were already created. They witnessed God's creation, which is really interesting. And they're called stars here, and we're going to see, um, if we were, if all we had was this verse, then you could make an argument in the Bible that angels are not called stars ever. But since it pops up elsewhere, <laughs> it's it's undeniable that not only are angels called the sons of God at certain times in the Bible, but they are also called stars, which is really interesting. And um, while we're at it, I'm just going to go ahead and confirm this. I don't want you to just believe me. Don't believe me just because I'm saying it. Let's go to the Bible and see what God says. Let's verify these things. Let's go over to Revelation, last book of the Bible. Chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 3 and 4. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman 
which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Here we have this red dragon in heaven. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. Well, I think in order to argue against the angels being called the sons of or stars in this instance, you'd have to do a lot of bending over and <laughs> moving around and uh, redefining stuff. Just a few verses later, it talks about the war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. So, from the context here, the dragon did not grab a bunch of stars, like you would think of them, uh, planetary bodies, if you will, and throw them at the earth. This is a reference here to Satan's followers, the angels that sinned. And we're going to get into those more before this episode concludes. These stars, once again, they fell with Satan to the earth. All right. I think that's pretty undeniable. If you're just looking at the, the context... Um, it's very difficult to see that a different way. The Bible um, leaves um, plenty of room there for you to see that the stars in this context are the angels. So, angels are eternal spirits. They're flaming fires. They're ministers to those who uh, are the heirs of salvation. They're also called stars. They appear before God regularly. Angels are very strong and powerful. Um, they act as messengers. They act as guardians. And they hold posts of duty throughout the earth. And they also are warriors, as you can see in verse 6 and 7 of Revelation chapter 12. They do fight when they are called to fight. Um, but let's cover some of these other posts that they, that they hold and the, the duties and jobs that they have um, as messengers. Let's turn to Luke. 1, 26 through 28, these are well-known verses, uh, thanks to uh, this uh, December month of the year. <clears throat> um, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a, virgin's es uh, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail! Thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. So Gabriel, very high-ranking angel, well-known um, amongst the secular and the uh, church-going. Uh, he sent from the courts of God to Mary to let her know what great thing God is going to do in her life by sending us the Savior, the only Savior given among men. Let's turn to Judges 6, 11 and 12. Judges, it's in the Old Testament. Verses 11 and 12. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, 
that pertained unto Joash the Abiezrite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midians. Pardon, Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Here it is just the angel of the Lord. And the angel showed up to Gideon where he was at, where he was working, and told him this message. And of course, later on, Gideon is commissioned to deliver Israel by the hand of God with 300 men in a tremendous story. But uh, the point is here, even though this angel whose particular name wasn't given, the angel is sent to Gideon to give him a message. And that phrase, angel of the Lord, that'll pop up elsewhere uh, in this episode and also in in the Bible, you're gonna you're gonna hear that it pop, pops up in pardon me it pops up in Psalms and other places. So um, keep an eye out for that. Now let's go to the guardian's role, Psalm ninety one. This particular Psalm is specifically referring to our Lord Jesus Christ, but it has a uh, extension interpretation for all of God's people who serve God, who walk in his ways, according, you know, i.e., according to the word of God. Psalm 91, 11 and 12. Satan actually quoted this and purposely misquoted part of it to Jesus in the Gospels. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. That's a guardian. That's a bodyguard. And the reason why I can say that this, by extension, can apply to believers uh, in God's church today, to the saints, is because Jesus Christ, by his salvation work, made us joint heirs. And as you read in Hebrews 1.14, God's angels are sent to minister unto the heirs of salvation. What do, you, what do you think they're doing when they join and watch over the ministers or the, the heirs of salvation? This is what they're doing. They are, they are guardians. They are there to witness. They are there to protect um, by the will of God. Let's turn a few pages over to Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord, there it is. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. And there you go. That's plain as day that God's saints are watched over. One chapter over, Psalm 35, 5 and 6. Let them be as chaff before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. Here we have um, almost a warrior as well, um, pretty much. This angel is guarding, is guarding the saints and looking after them, protecting them, fighting those that fight against them. Let's turn over to the New Testament, Luke chapter 16, verse 22. That's Luke 16, 22. 
And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So here we see that the angel actually carried the beggar into Abraham's bosom. So they are there as a guardian. They are there as a minister. They are there as a transport for the uh, transition, for the spirit um, when we die, when we perish on this earthly uh, part of life. Because for those who are eternal, this is just part one. <laughs> There's a second life that doesn't die. Because when God gives the second birth in John chapter 3, King James Bible, uh, that's an eternal salvation gift. And you can't kill that. That's also in the Gospels. Jesus said, fear him who has the power to not only kill you in this life, but to take that second life and put it in hell. That's a paraphrase, but that's what Jesus is telling his disciples. Now let's go to the third uh, role as warriors. We already covered one of those um, passages in Revelation 12. But let's go to Psalm 68, 17. Psalm 68, verse 17. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. There's no doubt about this, that this is the army of God. Chariots, uh, the host, the, another name for Lord. the Lord is, you'll see it in the Old Testament, the Lord of hosts. God is a man of war. That's, that is a verse in the Bible. The Lord is a man of war. He also, in the Psalms, David writes, teach my fingers how to fight. So, yeah, war is, yeah, God is familiar with war. There's no one that will beat him in battle. And his angels are trained in war as well. Now, let's look at this, uh, the posts where the angels actually post up and have roles, um, besides the one that have already been mentioned. Let's turn to Revelation 7, 1 through 3. And this is an example of angels that are doing something that we don't really think about on a daily basis. And really is uh, it really is amazing when you when you take what the Bible says about God's earth and God's creation and you just apply it. Revelation 7 Verses 1 through 3. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. This is can't miss. This is not figurative language. This is very plain as day. Four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. Now, I'm not going to tell you what the four corners of the earth are, because I can't directly prove what, that's, what, that, is, what that is saying. Uh, but I can tell you that these are four angels, holding the four winds of the earth. They are doing an office. They are holding an office of a post. They are doing something the Lord put them there to do. 
You have another angel ascending from the east, telling them a message. And this is just another example of angels doing things on the background, in the behind the scenes, that we don't think about on an everyday basis. And some of us don't even know about. Um, because we don't, we do not read the Bible literally like the way we should. We, sh- we don't let God tell us what the world around us really is. And that's to our own detriment. And I'm including myself in this statement because, you know, I am developing as well as a saint. And it takes faith. You got to believe God. Hebrews 11.6. You got to believe God. We can't please God if we don't believe him. So you open the Bible and you believe what he says. And everything comes together. Now, an important um, message about angels is they are not to be worshipped. We've covered what they do. We've covered, um, as you've seen from these examples, you see angels are what they do. Now, they are not to be worshipped. Let's turn to Revelation 22, verses 8 and 9. These will also show us something else about angels that will will pop up later. Uh, in this podcast, I think, because it's really uh, pertinent. But in Revelation 22, verses 8 and 9, let's read them. And as John saw these things and heard them, and when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou, do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. So the angel rebukes John for trying to get down and worship before the feet of the angel, which shows us that angels are not to be worshipped. And angels, here's a little spoiler, (laughs) they are our fellow servants. They are fellow servants with us. Pardon me, I didn't want to make you think they serve us. They are our fellow servants. They are heirs with us. Their roles are a little different, but... Pretty soon, you'll see, we will be equal with them. They are our brethren. Let's get another witness. Revelation 19, verse 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Can't miss it. Another interesting thing there, basically quoted, as the from the verse we just read a bit ago, but also we have there that interesting quote around uh, prophecy being the testimony of Jesus. That is very, very interesting. Prophecy is an interesting study as well in the Bible. Um, but that's for another day. Colossians two eighteen. Yeah. And I understand if 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 you haven't been in the Bible a whole lot, and I'm getting to these verses much faster than you. Um, don't worry about it. You can always rewind and everything like that. Um, the reason why I'm doing this is I don't want to take forever to get through uh, <laughs> an episode. Um, but, you know, I apologize if it's frustrating. You're trying to get to the passage and I'm not waiting for you. But it's just a necessary um, issue that we have to work through. Colossians 2.18 Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. 
another warning to not worship angels. All right. So now we see that that spoiler alert that the angels are more powerful than us as we are right now. But someday, someday we will be on an equal field. We will be playing on the same level. And they tell us that, as you could see in the verses in Revelation 22 and uh, Revelation 19. Now, let's go into what some of the angels did. Let's hop back to that first part of the episode near the beginning. When Satan drew a third part of the stars, what did those stars do? We're going to see that some of them, uh, some of the angels in heaven that followed, well, the angels that followed Satan, uh, some of them sinned. So, let's hop over to Revelation 12, 7. Let's get back into that topic, or subtopic, if you will. It says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. Their place. Possessive. Their place. They were cast out. Verse 9. And... If you go up to uh, verses 3 and 4, once again, you have the stars of heaven joining the dragon. So, this is can't miss. These angels are stars that the dragon drew with him, Lucifer. And by falling out of heaven, Jesus said he said, he said he saw Satan fall out of heaven like lightning in the Gospels. Let's go to Job 4.18. Once again, in the book of Job... It reads, Behold, he put no trust in his servants, and his angels he charged with folly. That's referencing the angels that sinned. Let's hop over to Jude 6. The reason why I said that's referencing the angels that sinned, not all the angels sinned. Jesus mentions in the Gospels that there are angels still in heaven who haven't sinned. And this might seem obvious, but I'm trying to cover all those bases where, you know, some could say, oh, well, you're just kind of, you know, making blanket statements. It's there. Just, you got to track it down. I don't have time to cover every single uh, reference, but I am mentioning that for your benefit, for your edification. Jude 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. A lot can be said about this verse. There's a lot of theories about this, a lot of different interpretations. I'm just going to stick to what we're covering right now. These angels kept not their first estate. They joined Satan. That's a fact. They took part in that rebellion in heaven, and they lost their place in heaven. And now those angels are reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So they are not roaming around the earth now. Let's go to 2 Peter 2, 4, which is a similar reading. And it's a second witness to this uh, locking up. 
For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. There we go again. Also we have that word hell, which was created for eternal beings. So these angels that sinned are locked up. These two references in the Bible show us that the angels that sinned are not the demons that pop up in the in the uh, gospels and elsewhere. Demons are not locked up. The angels are locked up, so they can't be the same thing. The demons are something else. Let's go into. Uh, let's cover. Let's cover the sons of God a little more. We've already looked at Job 1, 6, and 2, 1, and 38, 1 through 7, which shows that angels are called, sometimes in the Bible, sons of God, and also uh, the stars, the morning stars. And even Satan was called the morning star, was he not, in Ezekiel? And I might be wrong, but if I'm, if I'm wrong about that, I apologize. That was a, um, I just left the script there on that one. Um, I think it's in Ezekiel and Isaiah that mentioned that. Um, and I could be wrong, uh, sometimes I shoot off the hip, and, uh, I gotta be careful about that. Um, in verse 12 of chapter 14 in Isaiah, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? So, he's not called the morning star there. Um, so I might have slipped up on that one. And I apologize if that is uh, true. In verse 13, he says, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. That's another reference to angels. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. So um, I think uh, uh, I got morning and I went past that that word morning, and I want to check myself. I think Jesus is actually called morning star. And uh, Lucifer here is called son of the morning. So um, let's go into this, uh, this thought that the saved of man share the same title, the sons of God. Um, of course, the gender there is implied. Uh, sons of God, daughters of God, sons of man, um, the, the progeny of man. In the Bible, they share the title um, in the church. God's people, uh, the children of Israel, sons of men, uh, sons of God. Even Adam is called the son of God in uh, Luke. Um, I think that's chapter 3, verse 38. But here we go. Um, why are the sons of men who are saved called the sons of God? as well as the angels. And it's, again, it, the spoiler is that eventually, because the saved of men and angels are both eternal beings, they're going to be on the same level playing field. But let's let's make that clear. Luke 20. Luke 20. Verses 35 and 36. 
But they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die any more, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. So two big things there to, to, to gather. These are the saved who are resurrected. They are not given in marriage, just as the angels are not given in marriage. And the reason for that is they are equal unto the angels. See, angels are, are eternal beings as well as the saints. They are saved. They are eternal. Let's turn to Matthew 22. Our second witness to this particular discussion. Matthew 22, 29, and 30. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. That second witness also shows us that there are angels that are not in heaven. So, angels who fell, who sinned, what did they do? They did something. And, you know, I'm not going to go into that right now. That's another topic, another time. But here you see, you got to rightly divide. Jesus, every word is measured. They are as the angels of God in heaven. These are the good angels that didn't sin. You see the other, the bad angels that sinned, they did something wrong. They fell with Satan. They did things. They are locked up. Let's, let's go into man's eternal spirit just so that we can close the loop on eternal be beings and so you can see you know that angels and the saved of man are both eternal let's turn to John 3 I mentioned it a little bit ago verse let's see John 3 verses 3 5 and 6 Jesus answered and said unto him verily verily I say unto thee except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So there's a difference. There's being born into this life. Then there's being born into eternity. And the only way that you're born into eternity is if God gives you the second birth. Let's verify that. Turn a couple pages over, maybe one page over, to John 1. This is the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This confirms two big things. First, it confirms that believers are given that second birth and that's why they can be called sons of God because God birthed them just like he birthed the angels. And also it shows that no man decides whether they are saved or not. 
No man or woman makes that decision. In verse 13, nothing on earth decides that. God alone decides who was given the second birth. It's a free gift given of God at his choosing, at his discretion. Now let's go over to 1 Corinthians 6. Paul is writing to the Corinthians here, and he says in verse 3, Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? This shows again that the saints are uh, joint heirs with angels because of Christ's salvation work. And we will judge angels. So we need to be on the ball now. We need to study God's word because how are we going to judge angels if we don't know God's word? Because angels know it, or well, they should know it. Some of them obviously turned off the right way when they followed Satan. There's a lesson there. Angels were sort of like the first children. And uh, what's interesting is uh, the, Lord, the Lord of the Rings, uh, if you've read the Lord of the Rings, Tolkien actually mentions the first children, uh, mentions Manwe and some other uh, of those elves, if you will. There's lots of different races of elves and stuff, but he goes into that. And I'm not trying to get off topic here, but um, when I re reference first children, um, the angels... They, they walked in the court of God in heaven. They were right there at the throne before the face of the most terrifying, all-powerful, true God. And some of them, a third of them, according to the text, fell with Satan and rebelled against God. They thought they could win. I think the lesson there, there's a, there's a lot of lessons there for us. But the responsibility and the burden is tremendous for Christians, for believers, to get right with God now because this is a real war. And God gave us his word so that we can learn how to fight by his Holy Spirit because even the angels who had all this power, had all this regular reminding, you know, like you saw in Job, they went before God, presented themselves before God regularly. They still rebelled, a third of them. You think about it, that's probably upwards of thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. They still rebelled, and two-thirds stayed faithful. But it's a lesson. If angels can fall, saints can fall. And that's why hell exists. And if you read Hebrews and other places, John 15... 1 through 6, you can see that Jesus warns his disciples, you too can be cut off. And that's how I'm going to conclude this episode. Jesus Christ is Lord. His work is eternal. He died, was buried for three days, and he rose again, as he said. And he appeared unto our brethren way back then. And he sits on the right hand of the throne of God, the Father. And Jesus is watching. So let's serve him today and let's help one another. Let's put on charity, put on the whole armor of God and study. In the name of Jesus Christ, pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray that 1 John 2 verse 26 
or 27, he is our teacher. Bring that upon us and help us to obey. So the Lord be with all those who love Jesus Christ in sincerity, who want to serve him in truth and uh, pray for the church. These are tremendous times. The last days are coming if we're not already in them. And uh, Paul was talking like he was already in the last days. So we need to have that sort of attitude, that sort of belief that any day now could happen. That'll motivate you and me to watch and pray as we should. So stay to it. Quit yourselves like men. Be there. Be square. And seek God. All right. We'll join you in next time. Stay tuned.